All right, we'd like to welcome you guys to our coffee and conversation for this afternoon about the role of the worship leader and the relationship of the worship leader with the pastor. All right, we have a special guest here, Matt Mason. And I'm going to introduce each of these guys briefly. Matt Mason is the pastor at the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, crazy enough, before he was the pastor, he was the worship leader there at Brook Hills. And so that gives Matt a unique perspective on some of these issues we're going to talk about. Um, next to him, someone that is very well known around Southeastern, Daniel Rindstrom, who uh, has been at Providence Baptist Church here in Raleigh, First Baptist Durham, and is now serving with Matt at the Church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. So we have a pastor worship leader team right in front of you guys, all right, the dynamic duo. <laughs> and then uh, my dear colleague Jim Shaddix is a professor of preaching here at Southeastern. Uh, formerly, he was a pastor at the Church of Brook Hills, yes. along with Matt and David Platt and others. So you see we've got a little bit of inbreeding going on here, <laughs> yeah. but um, uh, that's okay. I think it's going to give us some great things for us to talk about. Uh, we're going to divide our conversation into two parts. The first part is, what is the role of the worship leader? Who is this worship leader guy? What does he or she do? And what are some other terminology related to that? And then we'll move on to the dynamics and the relationship between uh, the worship leader and a pastor, particularly um, a leader, senior pastor, with someone that has responsibility for musical leadership in the church. Uh, and all along the way, we may push back on some of these definitions and some of this terminology. Um, so the first question, if you look on um, the handout that we put around, we have three definitions, recent definitions of a worship leader. All right. And um, for time's sake, I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to ask these guys if they have one that maybe they don't agree with completely, but they like the most. And I'll ask these guys to read that definition or at least part of it and just comment on it. Um, so, Matt, what about you? These are general yeah. descriptions, uh, different kind of definitions. Do you have one that you would prefer? I'm, I'm drawn to the second one. A faithful worship leader is one who magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, by skillfully combining God's Word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, to cherish God's presence, and to live for God's glory. Um, that just, every phrase uh, is, repays reflection and has a lot of stuff to do it. Not, not only uh, does it reflect on gathered worship, but the lifestyle worship, the Romans 12 presenting of our bodies a living sacrifice, living for His glory. So I like the fact that it grabs that whole scope of what biblical worship, the call to biblical worship is. Yeah. Good. Daniel? Yeah. I, I agree. And one of the things I love in this definition is that phrase, motivate, motivating the gathered church. Mm -hmm. I think that's that that's a, that's a key. I, I think about what Edwards, Jonathan Edwards uses the analogy of for preaching of light and heat. And good preaching is going to have light, so it's going to have truth, and um, yeah. but it's also going to have heat. There's going to be passion there in the way that it's communicated, and I think that that's faithful worship leading, you know, and that's what I think he would probably mean by something like that, motivating the gathered church, that there's, there's light behind it, there's truth, but that is what's motivating and getting heat inside people that mm -hmm. they're, so mm -hmm. that, that's one of the reasons I'm drawn to this one as well. I love, love that mm -hmm. definition. 
I make a unanimous uh, job. <laughs> not to reiterate the whole the other things, but just to add another piece. I love the gospel element. Yeah, you know, okay. they're okay. Uh, proclaiming the gospel. You know, whether it's through music or whether it's through the preached word, that being the center uh, and the yes. heartbeat of what we do. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. So this definition, as you guys probably know, is from a book by Bob Coughlin, Worship Matters. Mm-hmm. Most of you guys have read this. And shout out there to Bob Coughlin. We thank him for his work yes. in this area. Um, but that still is a definition that encapsulates um, the job of a, a music minister, someone that is using music skillfully as they lead the congregation. Uh, the third definition, um, I'm not necessarily promoting it, but pointing it out. It says, the few whose job it is to prepare carefully for the moment when many gather to come into the presence of the one God. And so there is a sense also that worship leaders can look a lot of different ways in different churches in different contexts. Uh, it's maybe not just one person that's taking on this role. And I think we'll flesh that out more as we go along. Um, so getting to uh, the next question that you guys have, we're talking about different titles that have been given to this role. When I was growing up, it was always the Minister of Music, right? And that title is still in use. But I've seen all kinds of things recently. A praise and worship leader, a worship minister, a music director. Um, I wonder if you guys have any comments about how these different titles may say something about the role of this position in the local church and maybe how it looks different from context to context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Matt? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it depends on where where a church is in its development and and where the person is who's going to function in that role. So for example, if you're if you're launching a, a church plant and you have, you know, 30 people who have just started a, a church, maybe you're meeting in a house at this point and you've got someone who has a love for the Lord and an ability to play the guitar, but not pastoral gifts, not ability to um, comprehend or counsel from the word or teach from the word, then um, I'm good with calling that person a music leader or a song leader because that's what that's what their function is in the body. They're using their their deacon gifts, their uh, um, their natural gifts and spiritual gifts to serve the church, build up the yeah. body. And so, as that church develops or as other people come along side, then if that person has pastoral capacities and others, then, then perhaps those things could be explored. So I don't think that it should just be, hey, let's just call it, always call it the song leader or always call it the music director. Let's call it what it really is and, and let it function in the church in a way that's going to be a blessing. Yeah. That's helpful. I think the, the you know, we, we've had a hard time in the Western church, I think, getting it right. And that's reflected in our terms, and I'm I'm not saying that to suggest what right is, uh, yeah. I, because any of what I'm about to say could be right, but w- what I mean is we, you know, when I was a kid, we just called it was a song leader, mm-hmm. but I think that term for the majority of the people was reflect it was a, was short sighted, because we didn't see music as a part of worship. Uh, it was, that was just a component of the service. So this yeah. is what this guy did. He led the songs. Now, you know, fast forward uh, to now when we use a term like worship leader, which I don't have a problem with. I, you know, we, we can talk through that some more. But, but for many people, the reason that that has surfaced is because we have equated 
music with worship, limited it to yes. that. So it's become synonymous. Mm -hmm. So this guy's the one that does the music or leads the music, then he must be the worship leader. And and that reflects a very narrow view of, of worship, mm -hmm. you know. And so there's, I think there's a need for mm -hmm. healthy um, education to not even so much what the leader's role, title is, but what what worship is mm -hmm. in the church. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I agree. So we've covered a little bit of recent history here hmm. as um, Jim has helped us and I've come in a few things. I wonder if we could take it back to the Bible because some folks nowadays are saying... Oh, you're going to bring the, the Bible in. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can tell you guys? That's right. <laughs> yeah, this, this is Southeastern, so we're going to go there. Um, so as you guys think about this role in the modern context... Do you think of particular individuals or roles in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament? If, if you're talking about the fullest function of uh, leading out and not just in songs, but actually being an elder in the church, that sort of thing, then I think you just go straight to the New Testament qualifications of okay. elder ministry, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what you look for. So... For example, when I was coming over as the potential worship pastor at the Church of Brook Hills, one of the things I was just trying to clarify is what are our expectations? You know, so do you want a guy who comes in and just wants to do music all day, every day, and mm -hmm. write chord charts and, and that sort mm -hmm. of thing? Because if so, that's, I'm not your guy. Um, I want to, I want to uh, be in the Word with the choir. I want to teach us closer toward a biblical theology of, and I, by that I mean our worship ministry, yeah. to teach us closer to a, a gospel understanding of what corporate worship is supposed to look like. And so can I do that? Is that what you're looking for? Because I just want the expectations to be clear. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would probably, oh, I'm sorry. No. I, I was just going to say, Joshua, I would think one of the things you want to do is find out what the expectation on that person, what they would be doing, and not necessarily just look at things that you might find in the Old Testament, that right. music, things right. that ways right. that it functioned. Mm -hmm. Because like what Matt was saying a moment ago, if the church is at a size or even the expectation for that person to come in and just lead songs, and there are other people that are giving a lot of leadership to the worship service, like a pastor that's picking the songs, or somebody that comes up and does all of the prayers, and there are just other people functioning, and the only thing they're doing is just leading songs, just kind of putting those together each week, then I think that that is more like what I would see a deacon doing in okay. the New Testament okay. than what I would see a pastor doing. You know, that there's mm -hmm. not as much of a teaching role mm -hmm. uploaded and going. So serving the church with those particular gifts. Yeah, right. And it's yeah. in, in that way. Whereas if there's an expectation that, no, this guy, like what Matt was just saying, that he's both training the worship ministry, teaching them, also teaching platform leadership, there is mm -hmm. an expectation that he's going to be explaining the Word of God and like we just said a moment ago, kind of motivating through those exhortations, then there's a different type of a qualification needed for that, I, I would say. Granted, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. So we got elders uh, described in the New Testament. You know, think about the qualifications for those. Find out in Timothy and Titus. Mm -hmm. uh, we got a, a deacon's role. Um, anything to add to that, Jim? Do you think of other biblical? would jump over into the Old Testament and mm -hmm. uh, not so much as a model for one particular role, you know, pastor or worship leader in the contemporary context, but just the theology. You know, when you look at David, um, this is one of the reasons 
if I could just be honest and vent a minute why I despise this brother here. You know, <laughs> Watch out. David was a guy that could do mm-hmm. both. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he handled the word and, you know, of course, God used him in, in the inspiration of much of, you know, what our Bible is. And, but he could do the music part, you know, the, yeah. the, the poetry part. And, and those were wed together, you know, I think in an Old Testament picture. You really have the same thing with Moses. I, I don't know how good a singer he was or anything, but, you know, we got, we, we got some indications that, uh, you know, that that was a component part of his shepherding Israel out of bondage. Yes. And so, yes. you know, whether it's mm-hmm. in one package of giftedness like a Matt Mason, mm-hmm. you know, which is rare, the idea that the word and, and music uh, come together, I think, are reflected in those two Old Testament that's characters. Point, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, if we took all this together and we put together a job description mm-hmm. for a worship leader, still using that terminology, um, again, it's contextually based, based on the size of the church, its location, mm-hmm. uh, the mission. You know, maybe it's more even uh, catered to the individual. Um, what are some good examples you guys can think of? What are some things that we need to think about as we're crafting these? Because I get a lot of requests for um, worship leaders, music ministers, and I see all kind of different job descriptions. Mm-hmm. What, what's some advice we can give churches that are in this process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about somebody who has uh, leadership and is potentially going to serve in a staff position, in a pastoral position, um, Clearly, so you're just going to begin with, does this person know the word? Does, is this person theologically aligned with us in our mm-hmm. congregation? So those things are probably givens. But, but then, if they're going to live in the music world, then they have to be competent musically. Mm-hmm. So they need to be able to give leadership to not necessarily all be choir directors and play instruments and, and sing and all the rest. We've, I've seen different models of guys um, who some of them don't sing, but they have the... They have a lot of leadership in terms of just giving direction, mm-hmm. philosophy, biblical truth, gospel-centered liturgy. They're informing mm-hmm. all uh-huh. of that in connection with the other elders or the senior pastor. Um, and then other guys who will lead out from an instrument, mm-hmm. and they have competency to give leadership to the band and talk to the band about how to stay out of the way and not make this a show. And so just an ability mm-hmm. to speak all of those, I think, musical languages is going to be mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of descriptions recently that have bought them to this idea that it's, it's more than a music thing. We need more than a music guy. Mm-hmm. And so um, they start using the word pastor, or they are encouraging that person to take on more of a pastoral role. Um, but I get worried about some churches. Uh, I know my colleagues and I, we've gotten a few requests from churches, and the job description just goes on and on right. and on. And it's like they've taken the role of a full-blown minister of music for a large church music ministry and added all the pastoral requirements. Mm-hmm. And um, interchanged with one of my colleagues just last year, we looked at it and we said, yeah, this description's got about everything in it. You know, we're looking for walking on water as yeah. being in there as well. So right. uh, do you have any advice for uh, churches to uh, express the idea of we want someone that's mature in the faith, that you know, has these characteristics, but not to, mm-hmm. again, not everyone could be like Matt Mason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Daniel. Both or of Daniel. these guys are of the course. same way. <laughs> I'd say some of it has to do with, uh, I mean, I don't know about a church putting that together, you know, putting too much, but I actually think it's wise for them, if they're asking for a pastor, to expect pastoral ministry from a guy, that mm. he's 
like Matt was saying, that he's not just going to be hanging out with chord charts all week long, but that he's actually going to be with people, he's going to be shepherding, he's going to be thinking about some of this teaching responsibilities, um, discipleship. Um, so I actually think that that's, that's mm -hmm. wise for them to kind of be able to say, like what we were saying a moment ago, I said, for, for a church to think, what is this guy going to be doing Monday through Saturday? What, what do we expect him to be spending his time doing? Um, and I, a portion of that needs to be musical, you know, <laughs> like right, you can't right, just right. kind of show up Sunday and hope it comes together. <laughs> yeah. um, but for a guy that's going to be a pastor, that there's going to be some extra work because, you know, they're going to need to be maybe doing other things mm -hmm. and still be skillful in, in leading the musical worship. Um, I know it's kind of broad level, well, it's probably not specific enough. But. So clearly identified, clearly articulated. And then for situations where they're not necessarily expecting that person to take on pastoral responsibility, um, how do you think they can best communicate that? Um, mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's some confusion there mm -hmm. in the role. Mm -hmm. So when they're, when they're not expecting a broader ministry. Well, right, I think about uh, like Mark Dever at Capitol Hill Baptist. And yes. you know, he's picking the hymns, and they don't have a full-time you know, music person, whatever, but they do have... Uh, people that, that come and lead the music uh, mm -hmm. vocally mm -hmm. with, with instruments. Uh, I think about uh, maybe worship coordinators, music directors, those kind of people. Maybe getting back to Daniel's idea, uh, a diaconal position. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I encourage a lot of the pastors that I work with in our classes here to really consider um, the different needs in the ministry and perhaps dividing up that job description because it may take you a long time to find that person that can do it all well. Uh, but maybe you have people right there in your ministry that can already fill these different functions and uh, take care of the most important things for your church. Mm. Um, so that's a lot about the role of the worship leader and maybe some different context and what that looks like. Um, we already have here, as I've explained, pastors and worship leaders. And uh, some of us in our experience have realized that it isn't always a match made in heaven, right? It isn't always just a perfect relationship. Um, we're not going to go down and tell a lot of horror stories today about that. <laughs> but what I've asked these guys to consider is if there were any particular relationships in their experience between you know, the senior pastor figure and the person that's leading music that they would consider having exemplary characteristics. Is there a model out there for us to, to strive for? Mm -hmm. So who's going to jump on that first? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, ull, I will. Um, I, I've been blessed uh, in the, you know, I've pastored five churches um, and, and then been on a teaching pastor, you know, at the Church of Brook Hills, been senior pastor of, of five churches. And I, I just I haven't had many bad experiences. I would have to go all the way back to the first church I pastored, a church I planted, a volunteer worship uh, leader that had to let go, you know, or asked to step down because of uh, some moral ind indiscretion, and that was a that was a tough experience, you know. But um, by and large, I, I just I, I rejoice, uh, you know, in 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 the blessing that God has given me and just about every one of the situations and, and one of the things I would identify as a common denominator and this may seem so surface but um, we didn't just work together we, we played together we, we were friends and I think 
I know you can't force mm -hmm. that in every situation, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I even going back to and my relationship with Matt, David's relationship with Matt, the team there, you know, the we enjoyed being together offline, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, as much as we did online, you know, as much you know, on a basketball mm -hmm. court at, mm -hmm. at staff retreats, yeah. you know, or otherwise uh, as much as being on the stage and. You know, when you when you have that, um, that's a that, that's something that I think ultimately informs then the working relationship week to week. You know, in, in worship planning as well as worship okay. leadership on uh, on the stage, it's, it seems like a hidden thing. And I know a lot of pastors when they they, they push back from being friends, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in, in an informal sense, you know, with staff members, and I. I think that's a risk we got to take. You know, I really do. So good. My relationship with my worship pastor at Riverside in Denver, just the last church that I served as a senior pastor. Um, uh, you know, I'm uh, we. I'm a big Alabama fan. He was a big Auburn fan. You know, uh -oh. and, and that that was, that's like oil and, and water. But you know, we had fun with that. You yeah. know, we had fun with that, and and uh, you know, just use that and in building our relationship that I think really enhanced what we were able to do as worship leaders. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a great example. Right. I think if the, if the philosophy of the, just to pick on two roles, if the philosophy of the worship pastor and the senior pastor are the same, okay. uh, then you can have a wonderful, trusting, deferential relationship with true conversation um, to where you know, the senior pastor isn't saying, no, I want Onward Christian Soldiers. That's the one song I want at the end of it. It's, rather than saying, can it be something soldier related? You know? <laughs> can it be something rise up church? You know, like, do you have anything like that? And then, and then dignify, dignify the, the task mm -hmm. and the function and that brother's gifts. Wow. So I know... Mm -hmm. When I came to Brook Hills, and, and Dave and I and a number of the elders had had hours and hours of conversations and 30 pages of documents with written answers, and it was just exhausting. But by the time I got to Brook Hills and sat down in my very first meeting with David on campus, and I said, Brother, now I'm, I'm here. It's, I'm so glad to be here, and this is our first worship planning meeting. Is there anything that didn't come up that you want me to do, any approach that you want me to take? And he said, um, he said, you're here, and so I want to ask you, is there anything that didn't come up that you huh. want to do? And it, it just felt so right. And I don't think either one of us were doing that as a matter of course, hoping the other guy would do it first. But it was just genuine reciprocity and trusting relationship and then just humility and friendship that has been such a blessing. And I've enjoyed that already with Daniel as well. But again, what gives that some traction and momentum is the fact that you know you can finish each other's sentences. You know, like he's not just going to want to turn this into a rock show. And once you know we're on the same page there, it can be, hey, it can be Onward Christian or right. Church Arise, or who knows what other other possibilities. Work it out with the team. Yeah. Is there a new song that needs to be retaught? Huh. He can work that out. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
And I think there's a relationship between what he's talking about there and the, the practical aspect of the job description you were talking about a minute ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's missing on so many job descriptions is reflection of convictions and mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. I agree that you know a brother's going to have to have some skill or you know a, a woman in a leadership a worship leadership position. There's got to be an element of skill, but before skill. I'm, I'm more concerned and I'm first concerned about convictions Absolutely. and about, about the theology. Absolutely. And those are the things I think that mm -hmm. put mm -hmm. the, the worship leader and the pastor on the same page and help them to begin to think alike, you yeah. know, and, and, and that, that goes a long way. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In my experience, a lot of it comes down to trust, right? Yes. Does the pastor trust where the worship leader is at uh, doctrinally? Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully what's going to come out of the worship leader's mouth on a Sunday morning is going to be doctrinally mm -hmm. orthodox mm -hmm. and biblical. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim, I appreciate what you said. You mentioned uh, planning uh, together. You mentioned playing together, you know, pick up games of basketball, whatever. Uh, one of my dear colleagues, it's retired John Boozer, he used to uh, tell church music students, you got to do three things with your pastor. You got to plan together, you got to pray together, and then you got to play together. Mm -hmm. So it's alliterated, so it's officially Baptist. You know? <laughs> uh, but those three things are things you want to seek in that relationship. Um, and I really appreciate that. Um, I wonder if there are some situations we can think without naming the innocent parties out there, uh, or maybe they're not innocent, but mm -hmm. situations where we think about maybe there was some tension or was um, miscommunication, lack of communication, uh, or maybe it was uh, a pastor that was a real micromanager, that sort of thing. What are some things mm -hmm. we can do to try to uh, alleviate those tensions in the relationship? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say the expectation for me is a, is a really big deal in almost every relationship. But yeah. expectations about what is what I should be doing, what I'm going to be doing to thrive and serve the senior pastor is really good. So I'm I'm oftentimes trying to gather that information. Okay, how right. even if it's not all stated, a lot of it's stated, but some of it isn't stated. And you're just trying to figure out how what are the expectations that he sees that I'm gonna try to, to serve and, and make happen. Because um, unmet expectations is where some of that like tension comes up. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I have not, I mean, I'm kind of like you. I've had awesome opportunities mm -hmm. and situations. I haven't had um, a lot of bad ones, but I know that that's the kind of thing that rubs in any relationship, and especially in a work relationship, where there's something that was just expected that wasn't met, and maybe it wasn't uh, clearly identified or mm -hmm. clearly said or something like that. So that's mm -hmm. just one thought. And I think the, the, this is implied in what Daniel's saying, but you know, we're just as Christians in general, we have a hard time sometimes talking yeah. <laughs> you know, through things. And, and you put that in a staff relationship or you know, a co-laborer relationship and you know, musical worship and pastoring, um, if you don't sit down and, and be honest about those expectations mm -hmm. and articulate those things and you, you try to deal with those publicly, whether that's, you know, a leadership team, a staff team or or just, you know, in the worship service, the worst place ever, you know, to try to deal with those things. Um, 
uh, you know, then they're they're going to fester. Uh, they're going to take on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think mm-hmm. really just the basic issue of loving someone enough to go to them, whether that's the pastor going to the worship leader or the worship leader going, you know, to the pastor to, Good. you know, to raise mm-hmm. those issues and to talk through those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe if perhaps it's the, the worship leader that is not quite clear about something, they sense maybe there's some tension uh, I didn't do something. I'm not doing something. Um, perhaps if that person can humbly approach uh, the pastor and ask questions about this, you know, um, I, I like how you described you and David's initial mm-hmm. conversation there, and how right from the beginning y'all were taking this humble posture mm-hmm. of asking, you know, how can I serve you, brother? Mm-hmm. How can I serve you better? Uh, and not just assuming that what we're doing, what we want to do, what is kind of our comfort zone of operations is the way it should be done, the way it should continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's great. Uh, here at Southeastern, we're seeking to equip, of course, pastors at a seminary, uh, but also we have programs in worship leadership at the end of level, at the college level, and even have some of our PhD students here in theology and worship. Uh, so we're seeking to go deep in the training of both pastors and people serving in worship ministry. And um, Jim, you teach pastors here. I'm wondering if Matt and Daniel can help us out by giving us some advice. How can we preempt some of this? How can we train uh, these guys and ladies better so that when they're out there serving, perhaps in their first church context, um, they can be prepared relationally and they can be prepared uh, to do the ministry they're called Mm -hmm. to do? Yeah. I mean, I would start with what the phrase you just used when they're out there serving is um, going in with a posture of serving. And um, I've seen, I was part of a a church where we were connected to churches extra locally. And so I had kind of a region of of worship Hmm. guys that I was working with and just calling up and finding out, hey, what's going on? What's the latest? Um, And just seeing some of the the things that can blossom in worship ministries that are so unwholesome and, hmm. and divisive in the church and in the friction between senior pastors and, and their worship leaders. And, and so um, coming in with a posture to serve, I think, is if you don't have humility, if you don't have teachability, uh, I don't think you pick that guy and you don't pick that girl because you're just not setting up yourself to succeed. Because if you, if you end up feeling, let's say that the senior pastor or the elder council or whatever, they feel like, you know what, we need to do an Easter production and just, you know, roll out the red carpet, invite people, and we want to seize that as an evangelistic opportunity. And then here comes the worship leader digging his heels in saying, I didn't sign up for that. It's just a willingness to serve and to be Mm. a blessing and to not fight Mm. to the death on every hill and to be willing to sing Onward Christian Soldiers if that's the will of the consensus of the brother. You know, so... You know, where you, you don't have to be a doormat if you're an mm-hmm. elder. You can speak back mm-hmm. and just say, I'm not sure that that's really um, mm-hmm. something that's going to edify our congregation right now. A lot of people don't know that song, and it's not easy to sing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you're working it out. You're having real communication, but it's all nested in this, this matrix of humility and willingness to serve and lay down our lives for whatever's going to be a full mm-hmm. signature. Even when it Good. comes to... Uh, what what songs you sing uh, when it comes to the, the simplicity versus the theological complexity and the richness of the hymns. Mm-hmm. And just being willing, I remember reading a C.S. Lewis quote 
about how he talked about standing in the congregation and we were singing uh, fourth-rate poetry set to fifth-rate music, you know. And he said the more he sat in there, the more he, he looked around and he saw the people in their white boots, um, just uh, uh -huh. farmers and factory workers. Mm -hmm. And he said, I realized I wasn't fit to clean those boots. And so there was just a humility that was created, the joy of the body, the congregation, putting that all in perspective that I think enables you to serve broadly. Beautiful. Mm. Uh, Daniel, do you have something to add to that? I was just thinking about some ineptness in me. I don't know if that's everybody else's experience, <laughs> but the, the ways that mm -hmm. I think I was inept um, in, in, in doing musical worship, being a worship pastor, were being able to express leadership with people and not just knowing how to lead them musically, but then grabbing a guy, knowing what's going on in his life, grabbing a guy and say, let's read this book together. Yeah. This is gonna be good for mm -hmm. you to do. Mm -hmm. Or bringing somebody along with, with me to, to do things like that. And that's something that just kinda, I think that there were giftings in my life maybe for it, but I didn't see a great model for it and it kinda had to be awoken. I, I saw some guys doing it and I thought, man, I can do that. I wanna do that. And that's the way that a pastor is a leader, you know, because you're bringing people along, you're seeing where they are, you're helping them think, I, I want to get here, I want to read this to address this, I want to memorize this with you, you know, something like that. So maybe discipleship within a church staff, within yes. a group of... Yeah. 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 Um, it brings to mind uh, some of the things that uh, I love doing here at Southeastern. Uh, we have some specialized training, obviously, for people that are going to be uh, preaching pastors. Jim teaches classes in preaching, uh, exposition, hermeneutics, things like that. Uh, of course, we have classes in, in music and musical worship. Um, different faculty teaching things like you know guitar and piano. But what I appreciate most here on this campus is when we get the, the music guys, girls, whatever, and then the preacher guys together and we start working through the Word and what the Word says about worship. And uh, I've seen so many issues just you know, be dispelled mm -hmm. because they come to it with the same perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that the music is equal to the worship, we find in Scripture that it is a posture of ultimate servanthood, mm -hmm. that it is a ministry of edification to our people. And uh, when you can get guys in the same church leadership, you know, on the same page with the basic idea of what worship is, I think you can go a long way with that. Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna mention cross pollination. You know, we need to do. We need, we need to do more of this. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's right. what we're doing. You know, we're bringing the pastoral side and the worship leadership music side together. And uh, you know, practically, you know, I think about. You know, you you need to come speak in. You know, in some of my classes where pastors are being trained, they need to hear from you and maybe vice versa. You know, we need to have mm -hmm. some guys yes. that are doing pastoral ministry to come in and, and talk to musicians. I think those are some of the things. When I taught at New Orleans Seminary, I don't have any clue whether they still do it, but we had um, we had a course called Worship Leadership that was part of our core, you know, okay. in, in, in the NDIV. And those were team taught. They were team taught right. by mm -hmm. a music faculty member and a pastoral ministry faculty member. Mm -hmm. You know, and so those two guys mm -hmm. were in there leading the course, and uh, or, or ladies. Uh, we had mm -hmm. ladies on the music staff as well, and so uh, that was helpful. Um, we may not have a course like that. It may not do that exact same thing, but we need to look for ways to do what you're doing. Thank you for doing this. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so. Well, um, appreciate all these guys. Um, We'll thank them all in a minute formally. 
Uh, let me try to land the plane perhaps with one more question, and this is perhaps the elephant in the room. Uh, we were deciding when to bring this up, but you know, um, as we look to the Bible, we don't see the term worship leader. Uh, we've had people like D.A. Carson and others say we should just stop using the term worship leader. Uh, it's not helpful, it's confusing. Um, so, who really is the worship leader? You know, is it the music person? Uh, should it really be the senior pastor? Uh, is it somebody else? What do you all think about this? Well, I'll go first so I can give the spiritual answer. The Holy Spirit is the worship <laughs> All right, all right, yes. And I think yes. that was in the definition. <laughs> <laughs> so you hear that? Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, um, I, I'll go first and say I, I don't have a problem in the world with the term, mm -hmm. uh, even it, it referring to... Um, you know, a musician, the person, you know, overseeing that aspect of it, as long as we get what true worship is. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if we throw out a designation for the person that's leading musical worship, then we're going to have to throw out discipleship pastor, minister of education, sure. children's right. pa you know, pastor, pastor. whatever the case, because sure. you, mm -hmm. you, you don't find those yep. callings or terms in the mm -hmm. Bible either. You know? yes. so I, I don't think that's our biggest issue. I think our biggest issue is what we educate our people to understand Excellent. about Excellent. worship. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. well, put. well put. I do think that ultimately, whether it's a senior pastor or a body of elders you know, uh -huh. that are functioning in those elder qualified roles, ultimately are responsible for uh -huh. the worship yeah. atmosphere in the church and mm -hmm. the things that grow out of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. That. That. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to add one more quote to that, and uh, this is something that um, I put in here for you, Daniel Reston, because Daniel has done a great job in both church context and here on campus um, sharing about the idea of, of Christ as our worship leader, and definitely the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit moves in the people of God. Uh, it is allowing our worship, uh, guiding our worship. Uh, we find in Hebrews that Jesus is identified as our high priest. In Hebrews 2, even a picture of Christ with a psalm on his lips yeah. leading the people's praise. Yes. And so uh, there's a guy named Ron Mann that's written a book about this. If this kind of blows your mind, you can read uh, his book Proclamation and Praise, Hebrews 2.12 and the Christology of Worship. And I'm just going to read a quick quote from that. Um, Ron Mann said, When we preach or lead worship, we do so representing Christ, whose ministry it is. He is the preacher. He is the worship leader. This truth calls for great humility as we exercise those ministries. It is not my ministry of teaching, my preaching ministry, my worship ministry. It is Christ, and I am merely standing in for Him, so to speak, as His channel and mouthpiece in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that from Ron Mann. And for me, it's very much a relief mm -hmm. that it's not my worship leader. You know, even when I uh, fumble on something on a Sunday morning, uh, that ultimately, you know, we are standing in Christ's place. We are mm -hmm. uh, serving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's be encouraged by that. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time because a couple of these guys have to head out uh, but I'd like to take about um, five minutes or so and see if these guys that have been faithfully uh, listening right here have a few questions for us. And then if I cut us a little bit short, 
Um, I know at least Matt and I can stay for a few more minutes if you have more questions. Mm -hmm. So who's got the first uh, question for our panel? David Calvert. You mentioned the expectations from the worship leader receiving his expectations from the, from the lead pastor or senior pastor. What about in the situations that happen a lot where there's a lot of turnover in youth uh, positions and worship leader positions? Um, if there's a lead pastor who is not praying, planning, and playing with his worship pastor, how would you encourage that worship person to address that? Let me try to say that again because I'll get it on the mic that way. Yeah. So David asked a question about uh, a church context where you may have rapid turnover in some positions like youth ministry, uh, worship ministry. Uh, the senior pastor maybe isn't taking the initiative to have that kind of relationship with the worship leader. How can the worship leader initiate more praying, planning, mm -hmm. playing together, good worship, dyna uh, good mm -hmm. relational dynamics? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Well, if one thing that comes to mind is if there's no place for you to plan together, I would try to humbly start there because as you start planning together, you're going to be able to start showing the way that you think about how a worship service is put together. And maybe that gets changed. You know, you need to go in in humility and say, maybe I wasn't doing it right. I was trying to be maybe a little too liturgical and he doesn't want that and I need to back off or maybe I'm not enough or, you know, something like that. But if you start planning together, then you can see what, what things do we both need to be bringing to the table. And then I think you can kind of humbly start showing hey, this is the way, this is how much I want to think about it. This is the way I want to think about what the service should look like. Um, and that maybe then leads to more conversations about, you know, <laughs> how, how this is put together, why we're doing this. That, that's my initial thought on that. I don't know if you have... Good. All right, another question? Uh, Angela? Yeah, um, most of the... Um advice you gave are more like for male worship leaders because it's more like pastoral. Mm -hmm. But how about for those who are called like mm -hmm. I'm female and mm -hmm. I want to be a worship leader and I want to be yes. a wagoner yes. and I'm taking my majority internship too with um, uh -huh. so I mean so any like encouraging advice or tips for female yeah. So I'm glad Angela's bringing this up. Let me just voice it again so it'll be on the mic. So Angela's asking about, you know, have we been talking a lot about pastoral roles, male roles? Um, what about the female worship leader? Um, so Matt? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, we've had, we currently yeah, have yeah. many ladies who lead out in a number of different capacities mm -hmm. uh, that aren't pastoral capacities, but they are tremendous blessing too. Without which... Uh, the existing worship ministry the way that it is would just not look the same. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, there's a gal who's, who's at Brook Hills who leads our, our choir. And uh, when again, I uh, just keep referencing when I was first coming here, but they said, what do you think about choir? And I said, I think choir can be a huge blessing to, uh, to the church. And I said, but you just need to know I'm not, I'm not able to conduct a choir. Um, I don't know how to read all the notes. You know, I have an ear for the parts, but I don't know. I'm not good at reading the notes. And so I said, do you all have somebody here? And they said, yes, we do. And when I got there and just discovered her immense gifting and her love for the, it's not just musical gifts, but her love mm. for the ministry of worship and enthusiasm and mm. just the rah-rah. It's just, it's been a huge 
blessing to have her function in that way. And not only her, so we've got lead vocalists who lead out in a song here or a song there, and it just it diversifies the sound. It lets the congregation see that there's a multiplicity of gifts that are encouragement to the body. So, mm -hmm. yes, more power to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Tim, uh, jump in, Joshua. Um, one of my favorite experiences as a senior pastor um, was uh, Edgewater Baptist Church in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, the last three years I, I taught there, I, I pastored a church bivocationally. And my first worship leader, uh, primary worship leader there, was Dr. Becky Lombard, uh, who was our next door neighbor. Uh, um, she became and, and, and continues to be a very close friend uh, you know, to our family. We obviously didn't have her in a pastoral role, but she was the worship leader. She led the congregation music. She led the choir. And some of the things I was saying a while ago, obviously you have to adjust. You know, the, the pastor and the worship leader don't become, you know, intimate friends just between the two of them. But that's where team comes into play. Good. And even if it's not, even if it, you're in a church where there's not other staff, my wife was part of that team, so we did things with Becky together, and she with our family, and, and we included other people in that. So I think you can accomplish the same things, and a, a female worship leader coming from the other direction can do the same. She doesn't need to pursue uh, you know, the same kind of relationship with a senior pastor that maybe a male you know, might have. But she can still be a part of fostering, you know, a community, you know, with other other team members that include the senior pastor. Mm -hmm. That's a good word. Uh, we have time for one more question. So, Zach. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask what your thoughts were on the worship service as um, discipleship, mm. formational, mm. not just adorationalized. I've been reading somebody, James K. Smith, mm -hmm. and really meditating on some of the well, we were just actually just as elders got away for a weekend yeah. and we were talking about prayer and one of the main things we said with prayer in corporate worship is that it is a discipling function for the church. Mm -hmm. It is not just it's not only the leader talking to God. It's the leader talking to God around other people, around the church, in front of the church, and how that's a discipling function. The way you know that is that you pray probably like the person that, like the pastor that you grew up listening to, right? Mm -hmm. So you hear some of those phrases. And so you track that out then in a lot of other ways. Um, so to music, like if the church had to have the diet, the biblical diet, the doctrinal diet of the songs, what made up the songs. Would they grow? Right. <laughs> or, would they, or would it be, yeah. would they just kind of be anemic? Um, oh. and, and also, you know, you're obviously doing that with the Word because that's probably 30, 40, 50 minutes of time teaching them. But um, I think that those other elements, it's so wise. I haven't read that book. Is it Desiring the Kingdom? Uh, actually, his latest was You Are What You Love. Uh, oh, that's a great title. Yeah. Great. Like James you are K. What you Smith eat. plug. Yeah. You are what you love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. Matter, Jim. Do you want to follow up on that? Establish back expect. Just from a practical standpoint, and Matt's done some wonderful teaching on this. Was so uh, helpful to me at Brook Hills is hearing him teach on this. But uh, the the horizontal element of singing, you know, that goes on in the you know in the congregation. 
I'm going to be the old guy here and just, you know, vent a minute and tell you, you know, I'm kind of in the, the middle of, I'm a late baby boomer, you know, so I get some of the younger generation, some of the older one. Loud music doesn't bother me as much as it does uh -huh. some people. When it, when it bothers me is when we're singing songs that are meant to edify the body and you can't hear the person next to you singing. Yeah. Yeah. Be, so when it infringes on the disciple-making aspect, mm. you know, of it, and, and it stops being that element, you know, that when we're, we're talking to one another, testifying of the gospel or reminding one another of the gospel, mm. and, and we can't hear anybody but the guy or the girl yep. that's got the microphone, yeah. that, I think that mm. diminishes the disciple-making effort. I think yeah. when we address those things and the coming together of the music and the words and the congregational singing to where the body can hear one another on at least certain songs, there's a disciple-making element in that, uh, something that God uses in us, you know, using songs and hymns and spiritual songs to, yeah, you know, right. to, to accomplish that purpose. Yeah, and just the whole piece of the um, upholding the confession of our hope without wavering. Yeah. There's that huh. common uh, confession, and, and I have just often, throughout my Christian life, it's been one of the primary channels of the means of God's grace in my life personally. Is just sometimes not singing for just a few seconds and just listening to the church, singing me more deeply mm. into the gospel, singing assurance into my heart, and then me singing it back. So I very much feel that. I, I remember hearing a, a lecture given by Bob Coffin many years ago called Corporate Worship as Pastoral Care. Mm. And it mm. just lit me up because it opened up this whole horizontal aspect of the teaching of the word, of the, the narrative arc of the gospel in, in the songs. Um, so it's not just a set filled with songs that um, show off your voice or mm. you know the newest on CCLI, but it's, it's the, the truth of the gospel. So we're, we're singing the gospel and we're studying it and yeah. praying mm -hmm. it. Seeing so it dramatized in the Lord's Supper. So, this, so worship as discipleship through prayer, yeah. uh, through congregational singing, yeah. that kind of encouragement. I almost feel like we should close with a hymn, all right? But we're not. We're going to close with a prayer. <laughs> uh, you guys that came, we hope you'll uh, help yourself to some more coffee and snacks. Um, and a couple of us will hang around, but I think uh, Jim and Daniel need to head out. Uh, let me close this in prayer and thank God for these guys and this conversation we've had. Uh, dear God, our Father, we thank you so much for each and every gift that you give us. Uh, thank you for the gift of uh, good pastors and good worship leaders, and uh, particularly these men that are uh, serving your church here and have taken a few minutes to talk about uh, worship leadership today. Uh, so thank you for Matt and his uh, role there at Brook Hills, for Daniel, now that he's there. Um, we thank you so much. That we ask that you bless Brook Hills, continue to expand their ministry as they reach out to the community and around the world. Uh, we thank you for my colleague uh, Jim Shaddix, and as he trains up uh, pastors and preachers and heads up our Equip Center here at Southeastern, uh, just continue to give him great vision and enthusiasm. Lord, we recognize that all of this is... Um, something we do in your stead. We are uh, doing the work of Christ. We are seeking to do it in the power of the Spirit. And so guide us, direct us, empower us, uh, feed us with your word, and help us to serve uh, your people well. Uh, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.